Welcome to the Do Divorce Right podcast. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and I'm here to help you transition through your divorce with ease and integrity, to not only survive the challenges of your divorce, but to thrive as you come out the other side of it with a much better life than you ever hoped possible. On this show, we talk about many different aspects of divorce, interview women who have their own incredible divorce stories, or those who can offer some great advice as you go through yours. The focus here is to help you find the strength and support to help you feel lighter, happier, more positive, and in a better frame of mind to face the inevitable challenges of your current journey. Amazing. All right. So today, this week on the Do Divorce Right podcast, I'm delighted to be talking to Maura, Maura Navin. Uh, Maura Navin Webster, even. So we can talk about names a little bit more detail. Maura is a strategist, a marketer, a mum, a podcaster, a business owner, a cancer survivor, and an, an all-round inspiring human being. As a marketing coach, Mara works with creatives, solopreneurs, startups, entrepreneurs, small business owners, and she says so much epic value in her own podcast, and yet this is the first time we're really hearing about your divorce story, Mara, so I'm excited about that. Thank you so much for joining us. Have I missed anything in the introduction? What what else do you do? You seem to be quite an achiever. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have much free time, so <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But thank you so much for having me back. I'm so excited to be here. That's amazing. This, this, um... It's absolutely my pleasure. Um, so I want to offer you a super warm welcome for being here. Um, I'm really grateful that you're choosing to share your story. And I think let's start with the let's start with the background then. How let's talk about your marriage and then we'll come to the divorce and why it's a positive divorce story. Sure, sure. Um Okay, so on the on the way back time machine, my ex-husband and I, um, we met at a summer camp and um, I was living away. So we met at a summer camp in New Hampshire. Yeah. And I, at the time, was living in Washington, D.C. I had come up for sort of alumni weekend. So it was a camp that I had been involved with since high school and through college, um, had taken time away and sort of graduated from school and started my life and my career um, but stayed involved with the so camp. you were a counselor at the camp, not a child. Is that right? That? So I was <laughs> I was a counselor. I never it's funny, I never attended the camp as a camper. I got involved um as a counselor in high school. Beautiful. And was a counselor for a few years and then stayed involved and we have this sort of alumni group. And right. so I was heading up the girls' camp alumni group. And so I was up for the summer. And just a, just a weekend during that summer and, um, lots of events were happening and he caught my eye and, you know, we sort of flirted back and forth and yeah, yeah, you're right. Like a little, a little summer romance. And, um, by the end of the weekend, we decided we would give this long distance relationship a shot. He was the director at the boys camp. Um, and I was flying back to Washington, DC after two days in New Hampshire. So (laughs) We stayed in touch. There was lots of flying back and forth. And um, a year later, we got engaged uh, in that same place where we had gotten together up at camp. And um, about a year after that, we got married. Wow. So, That's fast. But I it guess was, um, it was pretty quick. Yeah. Young and in love. And yeah. Young and in love and just making the decisions. Just doing it. <laughs> 
And so you're from Washington or you were studying in Washington? Logistically, let me just ask about like, well, where were you both from and how did you decide where to Sure. Yeah. So I was from Massachusetts uh, and I still live um, once again in the town that I grew up in, in the city I grew up in, um, but a half hour west of Boston. Um, He grew up in Maine. Okay. And we met in New Hampshire. (laughs) But at the time, so I had gone to college in Washington, D.C., I had moved back to Boston um, for my first job after school. Um, My dad had been sick at the time and I wanted to be closer to home. Um, That I stayed about a year, 13 months, and then flew back for a job in Washington. Okay. Um, But then he and I met and I lasted in Washington maybe four more months and then I moved back home. Okay. So families are all nice and close. You're not too far apart. And yeah, not too far. Uh, how quickly from getting married, I know that you've got two beautiful daughters. So how quickly from marriage did children come along? Um, so we started trying relatively soon. Yeah. Um, we were both really excited about having a family. I think it, I wanted no fewer than two in no, he wanted no fewer than two. I wanted no more than four. Okay. <laughs> so we ended up with two. Um, they came back to back. We had actually struggled okay. for a couple of years to get pregnant. Um, and so we finally had our first daughter. Um, she was born in August of 2005. And then our second daughter was born in October of 2006. Right. So they're 14 That's- months apart. That puts a lot of pressure on any marriage, having two under two really quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. And how did your how did your marriage cope through that? I mean, I, I don't yet know where it started to unravel. So were you together for a long time? Um, we were together for a while. We were together for 15, 16 years. Okay. And um start to finish. Yeah. And we um We had a great, I mean, we just sort of, we were very busy, right? He was in, he was a public teacher, public school teacher, um, and then a principal, vice principal, and then a principal, um, all relatively local. Um, And that was my mother's field. So they actually worked together um, sort of in the early stages of our relationship, which was interesting. Um, And then I had gotten into, right after we got married, got into local politics and was a city councilor. And so we were very much in the public eye from the beginning and a tiny bit of backstory. That's sort of how I grew up. My dad was also in politics um, locally and at the state level. And so I was sort of used to it. He definitely was not used to it. And so I think that was probably a a big adjustment for him. Um, But we, we sort of, we played the game. Well, we hosted the parties and we went to the things and, you know, we, we did all the stuff. We did all the stuff. Yeah. Um, And we were fortunate in that my parents were right here in town and were great about spending time with the girls. And um, really, they my mom had retired by the time Maddie came along. And so she really took care of them. They never went to daycare. They went straight from hanging with my mom every day to school. That's when the time came. Lovely, isn't it? Oh, it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Okay. So how how long until the marriage started to show signs that it wasn't doing so well? What did that look like? I think one of our first 
struggles was probably around eight, nine years in. Um, And the connection just wasn't there. The connection had been lost. We had both sort of, I think we had started to grow individually in our careers and what we were interested in, but we weren't connecting. We were almost like, you know, ships passing in the night. And so we talked through it and we, we were able to bring it back around and and refocus on our relationship. Um, We went away for our 10th anniversary um, and we went to the British Virgin Islands for a week, which was delightful. Um, And my mom, it was, it was sort of a, a huge blessing because my mom had been ill. My mom um, had breast cancer and been through breast cancer treatment. And so she got better and offered to, you know, stay with the kids for a week. And so my parents and his parents kind of swapped off and the girls had a great vacation week that week. Um, And it was good. It was really good. It wasn't, it wasn't that newlywed, you know, good again, but I felt like we had reconnected and and things were good. Okay. Um, That that was in there was no expectation that it, there was an expectation it would work out, right? You would get yes. through this, this period and, and it would be okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That we would get through it. We would work through it and it would be fine. Which um, is the and it is it's, it's it, not the reality it is. for everybody. But yeah. Not necessarily the reality. And it wasn't in our case. Um, yeah. You know, we, we got back to reality and things started to fade. Sort of the, the, the reconnection started to fade as we got back into life and, and sort of the schedule of everything. And so that was probably 2000 and beginning of 2013. Right. And my mom actually passed in August of that year. And it went pretty quickly um, from May of that year. So May of 2013. And basically the breast cancer had metastasized. We thought it was gone. All the specialists thought it was gone. And it came back with a vengeance and had metastasized to her brain. And it was very quick from that point. Were you able to spend quality time with her at the end? Yes. So my parents actually lived with us. Okay. um, Starting in about 2009. Okay. So things are challenging. And then we move parents in. Great. All right. Yes. (laughs) Right. So um, there were definitely some factors, right? That was, that was challenging Um, much more. So it was a blessing. Very helpful. Um, and also really challenging. And I didn't realize until mom was gone what a mediator she really was, a sort of a silent, everything got done magically, right? right? So I could work late and he could work late and things. I mean, it was just, it was very well orchestrated. She was brilliant in that regard. But one of the turning points for me was when we knew she was nearing the end. And it was one of the last conversations she and I had in the kitchen. And we, she was Italian and we all love to cook. So we were often power struggle in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. But so we were chatting one night and she looked at me and it was just the two of us. And she said, you're not happy. And I see it. Did you know that? Did you know you were I, happy? I did. Yeah. I did. And I didn't know. I didn't know that there was a way out of it or a way to fix it being so public. And I wasn't in office anymore. Um, but I just didn't, I didn't know that it could be done Let because I'd seen you. everybody sort of str- not struggle, but just deal with it. Yeah, they true. weren't happy. They were in it. And yeah. it was, you know, the way uh, the stories I heard growing up was you just stick it out. Yeah. 
And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. And I, you mentioned that you were from an Italian family. You also mentioned that, you know, both families were nearby. Were there cultural expectations then that divorce is just not an option? You, you mentioned you kind of grew up with that narrative, but now your mum's highlighting something needs to change here. So what did that mean for your expectations of marriage and happiness and your ability to challenge those norms? That's a really good question. <laughs> it um it definitely was sort of the expectation that divorce wasn't really an option. And we knew people who had been divorced and um there was no no personal judgment on on my end of it, but it was this curiosity of how did you make it happen? Because yeah. from what I hear, this is not cool, right? This is not supposed to happen. Not okay. Yeah. Right? Not okay. And so I took the this conversation with my mom who was like, you need to follow your happy. Wow. Right? And in my head, I'm like, there's the permission I've been waiting for. And you're not going to be here, mom, to help me through it. Ouch. It was sort of that realization of Oh, okay. You're my biggest cheerleader and we know you're not going to be here. So, okay. All right. If you could pass that message on to everyone who's here still. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a little network. That would be great. I need them to hear that you approve of this. (laughs) Right. No one's going to believe me. (laughs) No one's going to believe me. Um, So mom was the Italian. Dad was the stoic Irishman. Okay. Right. And so it was definitely very traditionally don't divorce. Right. right. So very strict Irish Catholic, Irish Italian Catholic family. So really, I didn't think there was a way to do anything differently. So that for me was pretty big. Um, And so then she passed and I probably for the first time was just very not detached, but just felt very um, disconnected. Right. And so I went through this period of six months, which in hindsight is, oh, that's grief. Okay. I got it. (laughs) And I didn't feel much of anything. Not, not happiness, not sadness, not just not much of anything. My concern had been the girls. So since my mom was their caretaker while I was working, it was really important for me to make sure they were okay. And my youngest had real bad sort of separation anxiety once she was gone. Um, My oldest daughter sort of stuffed it in a little bit. And so my goal was to help them with therapy. I had a therapist that didn't really click. And I don't know that I was ready for it. Right. Um, And, you know, in hindsight, I can see that now. Um, But it was just a really interesting process. And in this process, my ex, we just grew further and further apart. Yeah. And when I needed someone to sort of be there and sort of pull me through it, that wasn't there. All right. Well, it sounds like you had grief on top of grief. How awful. Your there grief was, was a lot. This marriage that isn't working out, you, you did on a subconscious level, you've figured that out now. Your mom's brought it to the front that your marriage isn't working out and you need to start um, grieving that. The, all of your well. expectations of this being the happily ever after and coming back together after a beautiful holiday together. And then you've got the very literal, very tangible grief of your mum not being there, not being able to support you and not being able to be there for the girls. So what an what a what a lot. It I- was it was hard. And in hindsight, we had been disconnected, right? And not not through one of our faults over the other. 
Um, and so he was feeling it too. Yeah. Right. And I'm at a place now where I can see more of that. Right. And I think we've both over the years have come to, you know, sort of acknowledge that we were both in it and we were both out of it. Yeah. And, and I do think that's interesting too. A, a lot of people can't recognize that at the time that it's breaking apart. It's just so much easier to either distance your own um, involvement, your own um, contribution to the, the fact that it didn't work out and kind of blame the other person. But with distance, we all kind of get there. Marriages don't just break down because one person left, right? It's it's a cumulative um, effect of time where you're just both on very different paths. And, yes, there might be a catalyst to it. There might be a, you know, falling in love with somebody else or whatever, but often we'll come to a realisation later just going, yeah, okay, my contribution to that was this. this. Their contribution was this. And, you know, it it was inevitable that it ended eventually. So, um, well, we we know your story does end, so that's not necessarily (laughs) looking at at a marriage in struggle and and wondering if it's going to make it or not. Um, Let me ask you, I'll I'll jump the timeline a little bit. Do you have a relationship with your ex-husband now? I do. Okay. Um, and I will say that we are coming, we are just on the other side of four, I will say four years of a lot of hard, toxic, trauma-filled back and forth. And so it wasn't, when we when we split, we actually, we went to therapy, not necessarily to turn things around for us, but to make sure we did it in the best way we could for our daughters. And do you and think that was successful? Um, there was a little bit of a snafu where they, uh, <laughs> our oldest daughter actually found out because I had confided in a friend and the friend let it slip in front of her daughter who then reached out to my daughter. So it okay. did not, uh, it was a lot of therapy for, um, <laughs> for her to not go as planned. Um, but I think it started off on a, on the best note that it could have. Okay. But it got toxic um, because and I think ugly. Was, it got toxic and ugly. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, I like to focus on the positive typically. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yep. Um, but it did, it did. He, um, he entered into another marriage, um, and it was not a positive experience at all for the girls. Right. Um, and so after some struggle there, um, and really I just turned into my focus, my focus was always on the girls post-divorce and it just solely became on making sure that they were safe and cared for. And so that meant that we had to change I sought a change in sort of the the parenting schedule. Yeah. Um, you sure. know, and so that we're 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 pretty fresh off of that, but things have um drastically improved. Great. And it's much more in line with the vision I think we had at the beginning. Okay. So let's um let's not dig too much into the details of it. It's it's kind of unnecessary really, but I'd love to hear what what behaviors, what um, learnings would you have about setting aside some of that 
you, you mentioned trauma, right? The, the toxicity mm-hmm. of those four years and some real ugliness. How, what advice would you pass on for somebody who needs to set that down in order to have a decent co-parenting relationship moving forward? It's not easy. What advice would you have having done that yourself? Um, it's not easy. Um, I think first and foremost, thinking of the kids, yeah. right? And they're, they take the lead. Now, mine are older, right? They're, you know, in high school. Um, and so I take their lead okay. on it. And um, that has been eye-opening and interesting on so many levels, um, being there to support them through those decisions and remembering that it it's about them. The co-parenting is about the kids. It's not about me. It's not about him. It's about what's best for the girls. Okay. And, and the girls that actually makes it a lot easier. <laughs> and they've chosen that they want you to have a relationship with him. They want you to both be able to get along. Is that um, what they have always they've always wanted us to be able to get along. Great. Okay. Um and that has varied, you know, I think over time, um, to to the extent. But I think it makes it a lot easier now at their games and knowing that there are big events and you know, our oldest is a senior. There are big events in her life. Yeah. Um, I have so much optimism for the future looking at that generation. I just mm-hmm. think they're so much more emotionally intelligent than any generation I've seen before, right? They're just open and quite beautiful to the idea of trauma can be set aside or we can get over things. I'm I'm quite impressed with our young people <laughs> I am too and they have been through so much in yeah, their indeed. short lives so indeed. far that you know they've definitely had a lot of setbacks and a lot of challenges to say oh, the sure. least I mean that's putting it mildly um but just watching how they've sort of overcome and focus on okay but how did we grow and how can we continue to move forward and do it in a way that we still feel excited and satisfied and all the good things yeah yeah, they're pretty yeah. impressive. Well, that's yeah. that's incredible. I mean, also giving a lot of credit to you to be able to set aside that trauma and toxicity and decide that the girls need this. They deserve it. They, um, you know, your focus on them has allowed you to make some healthy decisions. How do you, um, or do you, <laughs> exercise some of those ugly emotions of, he was such a dick or whatever it is feeling. <laughs> Do you have some <laughs> suggestions on how people can deal with that kind of anger? And it doesn't just go away. It doesn't go away. Um, but I will say that it, I can look at it as though it's not mine. And I don't know, I don't know where that turning point was. Um, That's because right? I I don't know where it changed from me taking it so personally and being so, I would feel it in my chest. Yeah. Right. Going through some of those challenging times and it would take over. Right. And I had migraines and and it was very challenging. And then it came to this moment where I was like, I'm here for the girls. Yeah. Right. And if they need space, then they can take space. And if they are like, great, let's all go to dinner. Great, let's all go to dinner. <laughs> um, I you know, I will say, yeah, okay, right. So it's very interesting, and um, you know, just the other night we we were all at um, 
our daughter's basketball game. Yeah. And, you know, it was one of those, I turned to my younger daughter on the bleachers and I was like, Hey, listen, we're going to go to dinner afterward. Our cousin's going to come. I'm like, do you want to ask your dad? And because they're not, he's about an hour away now. And so they don't spend the overnights at his place. Right. right. And so I said, do you want to see if he wants to come to dinner? You know, you're more than welcome. And she, she was excited. She said, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. That's awesome. And I was like, okay, great. We all went to dinner yeah. and we left and, you know, sort of despite everything, I, I turned to him and I said, I'm just, I'm grateful that you're showing up. Right. I'm grateful that like you stuck it out because they were kind of done for a while and this is great. This is, this is good. Mara, one of the, one of the things I hear myself repeating to my clients um, quite often is that I know that they're coming out the other end of the grief when they can use the word grateful, especially when it's spontaneous, right? When you can have gratitude, not necessarily for the rubbish you've been through, but gratitude about anything to do with the relationship with the children, the relationship as it is now versus as it was then, then you know that that really painful period of grieving is behind you. So gratitude to me is a superpower. And the, the more we can do to cultivate that, um, the better. And, you know, it's just so healing. So that's lovely. Now, at the bleachers, at the basketball game and inviting the, your ex-husband to dinner, is he still with the wife? No. Uh, no. Okay. And are you in a relationship now? I am. You I are. am. I am. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I get all giddy, um, which, is, <laughs> which is lovely, right? I feel like it, in my mid-40s, it's absolutely wonderful to feel giddy about um, being in that in that state. And so I've been with my partner, my boyfriend, Darren, for, okay, I'd have to count, um, since shortly after the divorce. Okay, I think we great. went on our first official date, but we've known our families actually, <laughs> we work, we used to work together. And okay. so our families actually have vacation together and our kids went to summer camp together when they were little. Um, so we've actually been in each other's sphere yeah. um, for a while. And we were friends first, which is so, I think, powerful in a relationship. Yeah. Right. I think he probably knew a lot of my quirks before before he was willing to say, hey, do you want to go <laughs> as my date <laughs> to this dinner? Um, uh, and so, yeah, it's wonderful. And between us that we have four four daughters. Um, okay. We I, they are like bing, 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 bing. Um, do you even live under the same roof? Is there any kind of we do around? not. Okay. We do not live under the same roof, um, which is a challenge. So he actually lives in New Hampshire. And I live in Massachusetts. Okay. So we're about an hour apart from each other. Um, and one of the things that when we first decided to give the relationship thing a shot was um, he's not moving his kids and I'm not moving mine. No, not at this age. No. No, they've no. got to get out into college. And you must have some really exciting plans, like just in a few years' time, I get to. <laughs> <laughs> we we do to talk about it. We do talk about it. Um, my my Emma is the youngest out of all of them. So she graduates. She's a sophomore in high school. So she graduates in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and we talk about it. No, sorry, Emma, get out. Get out. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, there's no, there's none of that happening. Oh. <laughs> um, but we, I mean, we talk about it and we're like, you know, we'll see. There's no, we're good. That's right. True. There's no, there's no rush. I mean, it's hard. 
And it was funny. My niece actually the other night, she was like, auntie, is it hard? Is it hard being so far away from, from Darren? And I was like, yeah, it is kiddo. It oh, is. Yes. But see, that's the work. empathy that I'm talking about. This is the emotional maturity of the younger generation. It's just yeah. so beautiful that she can see that in you. Um, yeah, and I'm sure it is hard, but but worth it, presumably. But worth it. Yeah, but it, worth it. it clearly lit you up when I asked you. And you just... <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, I wanted to ask you about your work. Now, you were in the public eye when you were married. That's clearly not what you're doing now. And I think I'm really excited about what you do. When did when did you kind of pivot from being in politics and in the public eye to creating your own business and being a boss mom? Being a boss mom. I had, um, I was there one job between, two jobs between? Um, so from, I left public office and worked at the Heart Association for a while in communications for New England, which was great. I got to do fun media stuff and fundraising and it was a blast. It was a great cause. Um, but from there, I reconnected with my very first boss from 12 years prior Yeah. Um, to go work for a tech company. Um, and I did marketing for them. And within three years, we were bought by our biggest competitor. And it was the year after my mom passed and I found myself not wanting another job. I, Interesting. I, if I, if I remember this back to your timeline, you were in a, in a double grief at this point and now you're going through a career transition as well. Yes. What was going on in your stars that year? Like that was a, a lot. <laughs> they, were, they were not working. Uh, well, you know what? Looking back, they were probably all working yeah, in my favor. Reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was definitely one of those years where I was like, like, could anything, like, where's the other shoe? Is Breaking there another shoe left to drop? Down in order to build back up again. Yeah. All of it. And I definitely felt that. Um, so as I found out that they were going to, um, they didn't need two marketing directors anymore. I handled it surprisingly well. And I had been on the other side. I had done layoffs before and I was in middle management. So I got it. But I also knew that I was passionate about doing marketing in a way that felt good, that didn't chase somebody else's strategy and wasn't always answering someone else's jab that they were trying to throw at you. But really, through being authentic and transparent, that's how we grew the business in those yeah. three years that I was there. And I knew that it could be translated and help people who were just starting out or doing good in the world, right? That's what I wanted. I wanted to do it and feel good about my work. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of jumped right in. And at first I did any marketing you needed. Do you need social media? Great. Do you need a website? Sure. I'll build it. I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. um, and I remember about six months in, I um, started to work with a, a, a friend who I had known a little bit um, through work. And she was a business coach. And I was like, oh, a business coach. That? This sounds like a wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> and we started working together. We got really, really close. And she was like, you're just five years behind me. Trust me, this will be you. And I was like, no, I need to do something tangible. I need to like produce documents and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And pay the bills. And, and pay the bills. Yeah, to go. Right, because now, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. single mom. Right, mm. right. And so I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but I, I did. I knew it was coming. And so it was really important to me to start and get strong in this business as a business owner, get the support I needed and figure it out and do it quickly. 
And the same thing that came along with that, which was so interesting to me, was really opening up to, to personal development, to sort of this side of me that I think and that I know actually came from my mom, but very spiritual, very connected to universe, very kind of woo. Oh, and it, it, it helped. It really did sort of help me put everything into perspective in my life, really get reconnected with my true self, shed all those public layers of the person I had become and portrayed because it was what was expected created yeah and created and yeah it sort of all just kind of came together um and so now what I do is really help other entrepreneurs and small business owners figure it out yeah and share with them sort of the path that I've been on and and really build marketing in a way that feels good to them yeah you know kind of capturing what they do well paying it forward isn't it it's like I've learned all of these things I need you to I need you to take them forward with you so that you can also do well in the world that's how it's those lessons yeah it's beautiful it is it's wonderful and it's my most favorite thing like I still have a very strategic brain that loves to like figure it out and do strategy and I'll do that with bigger companies but I love my mastermind group I love my one-on-one coaching with entrepreneurs right like those are the things that light me up yeah. So, so on that, then how do people find you? People can find me um, right now on Instagram. They can find me at Lila Blue Co. It's L I L L A B L U C O. Beautiful. Okay. Awesome. Great. And at Lila Blue.com. Yeah. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn and all the places, but you can search me through Lila Blue or you can search me through Mara Naven. And you work with people internationally, right? Yes. Yep. No boundaries, which is lovely. (laughs) A lot of my clients and mums that I talk to and, you know, people going through divorce are trying to figure out what do they do with their career? It's one thing to pay the bills, but it's another thing to do something that you care about. And, you know, you're talking about uh, yours was extraordinary with everything being burned down to build up again. That, That was a lot to go through. But in many cases, this the ending of a marriage is the burning down of the house metaphorically to build something new. And a lot of people do go into new careers. They want to figure out how can I do what I love and not just what I thought I was supposed to do. Mm. You know, now that I've got this blank sheet of paper to decide what my future's gonna be, and I've got all of these options and choices I can make for myself, that's that's a really exciting time to work with people. I'm sure you do. I love it. I, it's a really exciting time to be able to share the mindset shifts, I think, for me that helped, especially through the divorce and that rebuilding, to be able to still give the energy to doing what I love and making it work, making it happen. Um, there's definitely juggling. There are some hard days, but at the end of it, it really can be beautiful and exciting and all the good things. Yeah. So um, what is there anything that we've missed in your story? I, I did jump forward and we, we you know, didn't necessarily come back to how did it really end and, and what did that look like? Did you want to share anything from that, Maura, or do you feel like we've gotten to the juicy bits? <laughs> I think we definitely covered a lot of juicy bits. As you had mentioned, I haven't really shared the story, right, mm-hmm. because um, there's a lot to it. Right. It, it was a it's been a roller coaster ride. I'm assuming that it will continue to have its ups and downs. Um, you know, I think we ended it as best we could. 
given the circumstances. Um, I think it's just challenging no matter what is behind it. And I'm curious to know what happened from the the end, which sounds like it went okay. Neither of you were especially attached to the idea that the marriage had to work out. I'm reading between the lines here, so please correct me if I'm wrong. From that to the toxic part, right? So when he got married very quickly. So was there was there a catalyst to turning a well-intentioned, you know, good divorce, if you like, to something that was quite ugly that looking back on it, you would like to revisit or would have liked to have things done differently? Could it have been avoided, the toxic trauma? I, I don't know because I think the influence was external. Yeah, yeah. I think it was outside of our trying to co-parent um, and and trying to to maintain that relationship. Um, so I see a new business here, which is teaching new stepmoms <laughs> how not to fuck it up. Like, don't, don't. <laughs> um, I definitely, I, you know, what I, I, I wish I had that sort of that, that hindsight to see, you know, where was it? Was there something that I could have done differently? Right. Was there something that he could have done differently? Is there something that, you know, together we all could have done differently? Um, it was, I thought, you know, in my, in my perspective, I thought we, we did as best we could. I don't think, I think once we got to the point, like you had mentioned that, that we had accepted that it, we were dissolving the marriage and, and moving forward independently. I think once we got to that point, things were good for a little while. Nice. And I think it was that balance of, you know, as new relationships start to come into the picture, you now have other opinions on how divorces should look. Yeah. And they weren't necessarily in line with what we had started out trying to do. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's that definitely got challenging. Yeah. You that couldn't have predicted that. You certainly couldn't have anticipated that change in dynamic, but I I I see a book in that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing some books that at the moment, um, you know, do divorce right in co-parenting, do divorce right with finances. And I do think that there's a, you know, when somebody new comes into your lives, how do we sit down and articulate to them, this is what we're, what we're hoping to achieve here. A bit like when you and Darren had the conversation of, yeah, we want to, we want to work this relationship out, but I'm not leaving. My girls are here and I'm not leaving. My girls are here. We need to broker what works for us. And I feel like your ex-husband and his newer partner could have had more conversations that involved you and the girls to make sure that everybody was on the same page. But you certainly can't predict and anticipate the changes before they happen. It's all upon reflection, isn't it? That is true. Hindsight is definitely twenty twenty in some of these scenarios. (laughs) Well, I also think that hindsight works for us in many ways because you've been able to identify all this utter shit show that you've had to go through and think what a blessing actually you've created this beautiful career and a gorgeous life you have a wonderful relationship with your daughters and now thankfully their father is also in the picture in that relationship as well and you've got a beautiful relationship with Darren and his girls off to Italy in the summer yes yes very excited about that it's going to be fun to have have us all together which will be great 
So let me just wrap up and ask you if you've got any advice for women who are probably in the thick of it now and can't imagine that it's going to look quite as nice as yours does at the other end. Do you have any advice for them on how they might do divorce right? I would say first put the kids at the forefront and when it gets to the point where you just want to take out that frustration in any way you possibly can to sort of breathe and realize that everyone's got their own perspective and keeping the kids focused, like your focus on the kids helped me sort of realize like, okay, I'm doing this for them. Like this is, we're going to go through this and we're going to get through this. Um, Also having just really good support. I will say Darren listened to way more than I'm sure he wanted to. Um, And my girlfriends were phenomenal in just sort of being there and being supportive and stepping up for the kids, really seeing how my friends and my family stepped up for the girls. Beautiful. Um, I think we... We have an opportunity to cultivate that, don't we? And I do encourage people to ask for what you need. Mm -hmm. People don't necessarily know what's going to be helpful. And sometimes, you know, just having someone sit on the sofa with you while you watch television is all that you need. And sometimes it's take my kids out of the house. I just need some space, you know, and not being afraid to ask for that because then you do cultivate the support that you're so grateful for. Yeah. I would also say one other thing is staying focused on how you want the outcome to be. So there there were times where I never thought we would ever get to a place where we could sit on the same bench on the same side of a gym because for a long time, we, it it wouldn't happen. It would not happen. And um, staying focused on what we want or what I wanted for the girls, what I wanted things to look like for them um, helped me just to keep my cool and to not probably say some of the things I really wanted to say. <laughs> beautiful. I think that's beautiful. We're going to etch that in stone. Stay focused on what you want the desired outcome to be. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This was absolutely wonderful. Thanks for, for being the catalyst for me to actually talk about it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at dodivorceright. I look forward to connecting with you there.